This is Mark and Moore in the Morning. Hi, this is Mark and Colin from Mark and Moore in the Morning. Welcome to our podcast. This is episode 18. Thank you for finding us. Our goal is to share some health and wellbeing guests from our show along with celebrities. On our last podcast, we spoke with Katrina and the Waves, Susie Perry and Andy Nazer from Campaign to End Loneliness. On this week's podcast, we chat with the sixth millionaire winner from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Ian Wills from Wills and the Willing. But first, we talk with author Lucy Vine. So my guest this morning is uh, journalist and best-selling author Lucy Vine. Morning to you, Lucy. Morning, Mark. How are you? I'm very well. Now, of all the people I've ever spoken to, you must be able to predict the future. I'm just looking at your collection of books. You seem to have summed up 2020 perfectly. Hot mess. <laughs> what fresh hell and are we nearly there yet? Exactly, yes. <laughs> I'm clearly psychic. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's just think about your book, Hot Mess, for the moment. I mean, it stars this character, Ellie Knight, almost yeah. this modern Bridget Jones. Sure. How do you think she would have coped in 2020 with the pandemic? Oh, that's such a good question. I think she probably would have fallen apart. <laughs> She'd have uh, done the whole weight gain, like never leaving her room kind of thing. No. Um, I think we've all struggled, haven't we? Let's face it. Poor Ellie. She's probably uh, probably would have done just as badly as all of us. <laughs> um, but it's it's been such a rough time for everyone, hasn't it? Um, couples or single people, it's been rough. For people who have not read your books, and I'm hoping we get to change that this morning, oh, thank um, you. just describe for me Ellie as a character and uh, her life. So um, she is a single woman uh, turning 30, Everyone around her seems to be settling down and uh, getting married, having babies, all that kind of thing. And she's just not there. Um, and she spends a lot of the book giving herself a hard time about that and going on Tinder dates and trying desperately to find somebody. Um, and then sort of realising actually she's happy on her own. And that's that's kind of the message I'm, I, I was trying to get across with that book. But um there's quite a lot of single shaming and stigma around um, being independent in that way, especially if you are a woman. Um, so it's about kind of taking control and, and and being happy with just who you are. And if a relationship comes along that makes you um, happier even or just as happy, then brilliant. But it shouldn't be about finding somebody just for the sake of having a relationship. And as we think about the last couple of months, I mean, what sort of challenges um would Ellie or a single person really be uh, suffering from yeah I mean it's been a lot tougher hasn't it I think for obviously it's been difficult for everybody but I do genuinely think it's been um single people and those living alone who have been hardest hit and there's this new research from Lloyds Bank that shows you know almost half of single people are feeling financial pressure as a result of the pandemic and I've um never mind Ellie I've lived alone <laughs> for the last nine years so I completely get that and I and it's been it's been rough it's been tough hasn't it the last few months um and I've I mean emotionally it's been difficult but financially it's been tricky as well and I've had to use up a lot of my savings where work wasn't coming in like before and I wasn't able to you know pop into London as usual mm. um and when you are single or living alone it is just kind of you it is all on you especially these last few months that's really highlighted that um, and I think that's why this Lloyds Bank campaign and the, this research is important because they are focusing on helping vulnerable people and, you know, people like me who, who who have been panicking about living alone and, you know, those mortgage payments that are completely down to me to pay. <laughs> um, but I think that that's 
also what's important is to remember that even if you are single or living alone doesn't mean that you are alone and it's super important to be talking to other people and family and friends and loved ones and or financial experts at Lloyds Bank you know whoever to keep that um keep those money worries down if that makes sense (laughs) and we're kind of going into this um lockdown phase again in parts of the country um Mm. so it's not over yet um you know there must be lots of concerns around job security and as you say Mm -hmm. finance yeah, absolutely. Well, that this research has highlighted that. I mean, you've, you've got sort of 39% concerned about not being able to make ends meet, uh, 36% worried about spending all their savings, 33%, yeah, third, saying job stability. Um, and it is, I mean, you've got nearly a quarter who are worried about being able to afford their weekly shopping. So it is a really tough time. And it, But the thing is, I think we're all in it together. And the positives out of this research um, is that you know, this awful time has maybe inspired a lot more people to work towards becoming more financially independent. Mm. Um, I mean, the research said that over half of singletons have cut back on non-essential spending. And that's something I'm personally working on really hard, having mostly emptied my savings pot. I am looking at my bank statements more carefully and thinking, do I really need five lattes a week, you know? So I think in the positive uh, side of things, we are maybe kind of getting a chance to reevaluate uh, our finances and li- and life generally maybe this has been a chance for a social detox or kind of a chance to look at what you want from life and plan for the future a bit more absolutely um, speaking of yourself then uh, you must have mm-hmm. another book up your sleeve soon surely <laughs> i do thanks for asking <laughs> I'm just uh, in the final, final edit stages of book four, which is coming out uh, next June. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you that, but I've told you that, so there you go. (laughs) So I can't ask what's going to be called. I mean, thinking of the subjects of the the book title, So Far Hot Mess, uh, What Fresh Hell, Are We Nearly There Yet?, what, yeah. what possibly could come next? Pandemic <laughs> next related. One is yes, yeah, zombie apocalypse. <laughs> no, it's it's not. I'm not allowed to say the name yet. We haven't announced okay. it, but it is it's in the same vein <laughs> as those. I love it. Lucy, thank, thank you, you so much for your time this morning. Great talking to you. Thank you so much, Mark. Mark and more in the morning. Best bits on the podcast. Still to come on the podcast, we'll be learning what's it like to win a million pounds. On who wants to be a millionaire first off though colin what's the fact of the week the fact of the week is a good one for all the children eating eating ice cream for breakfast can increase mental alertness i've heard that i've had a magnum for breakfast and it made no difference at all you need to have a rocket instead <laughs> <laughs> So we're joined this morning by Ian Wills from Ian Wills and the Willing. It's his band. He's got a brand new album out, London Country, and a new song, Idaho, as well. Good morning to you, Ian. Good morning, Mark. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. So I suppose we have to ask, how's life been for you over the past six months? Yeah, challenging. But um, uh, in, in challenge, we find adversity. In adversity, we find temerity. That's, that's true. Very good reflection. This album, then, London Country, where did you kind of get your inspirations from? started writing these songs about two years ago. You know, you look at the influences in, in your style musically. You know, I'm, I'm a sort of massive Woody Guthrie, Springsteen, Josh Ritter, um, John Mayer, you know, uh, Jason Isbell, all the sort of, and and I just found myself writing a bunch of songs that seem to all have a a common thread through them. Mm. And lyrically, I I like the challenge of writing things that um, are not obvious. 
and and some of the song titles like High Plains Drifter or Idaho, you know, they are very driven by um, the, the sort of Americano influences. And I, I felt that this, the, 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 as a collective, the, the album itself has a beginning, a middle and an end that, that, that actually are not forced together, but they join naturally together. As a songwriter, um, do you find it easier to do, write the lyrics first and then try and put music to it? Or is it more of a, a collaboration on, based upon the style or the song that, or the inspiration that you receive? Well, the lyrics have always been my forte, I think. Um, so lyrically, I've always been in front of the game. But having taught myself guitar over the last 10 years, I find myself every day picking up the guitar and playing and, and something normally comes out together. Um, I don't, the, the last few songs I've written have all been driven by the fact that I sat down and, and found a chord and then found a lyric at the same time. And, and, and then very quickly things quite often just, just happen. Now, looking through the, the, the tracks on the album, um, you talked about the different inspirations there. I've never known anybody to write a song about lobster and chips, for example. Um, <laughs> how did that come about? I went for... Uh, dinner with a dear dear friend of mine and he invited me for dinner um, at a casino called Las Ambassadors in Mayfair and I don't gamble um, we had a wonderful dinner and I, and I just observed the people in the room and what was very clear to me from the off it's it's not never the despair that kills you it's the hope and you see all these people quite often hoping to find their problems in terms of cash you know, plug in holes or whatever. And, and I just observed the room and I came home and, and I wrote Lobster and Chips. And I think that, um, as you say, not many people have written a song title like that. But actually the, um, the payoff line in that song is, is uh, uh, but when you're buying lobster with casino chips. I uh, gotcha. Now, Idaho is the new song from the album, which is out at the moment. Again, I love the guitar riff from the beginning. It's just beautiful. Idaho was a song that I, my friend James um, makes, he's a luthier, makes guitars. He made me a guitar, um, a big, as I said, a big influence in my life is uh, Woody Guthrie. And I asked James if he'd make me a baritone guitar. And um, I had a particular reason for it. I loved the richness of the sound. And um, he made me this guitar and the neck is from a 300 year old shipwreck out of Cornwall. So, you know, there's a real history to it. And Woody Guthrie always had on, on the shoulder of his guitar, um, this machine kills fascists. And I got him to put that into the headstock. So I called it the Spirit of Woody. I picked the guitar up, I drive back home, I get it out the case, and I wrote Idaho in about five minutes from that guitar. And that was like a, a gift to me from Woody Guthrie. Just there's some, so much warmth about this album that I didn't anticipate or envisage that just seems to have flown from so it. So let's talk about your bands, if I may, because you've mentioned yeah. Sean already, but footballing superstar drummer, Petter Cech. I mean, how did that relationship come about? Well, I not, we have a mutual friend. On the second album, Heroes and Villains, I put out a track called Skin, which was um, self-explanatory. 
and it was used by Kick It Out campaign in 2008. And you know, we find ourselves living in this environment at the moment, you know, Black Lives Matter and everything else. Mm. And um, so obviously Petter knew of me, and we, and, but it was quite a nice way of joining up. So my friend David, who is at Chelsea, we always call him Barney Promotions, and I've known David for 30 odd years of my life. And um, he phoned me up and said, oh, Petter's just coming. He's absolutely buzzing. He, he, last night he, did a, he, did a, he asked me for a couple of days off, and last night he'd just done a gig at the O2 in Prague with Paul McCartney's band. And I said, oh, wow, that's amazing. Now, Adam Chetwood, who's on the album, plays all the pedals still. He's really good friends with Robbie McIntosh. And Robbie is, I, you know, those, your listeners might not know this, but Robbie is one of the greatest guitarists that's ever come out of the UK. And, he's, and he plays, uh, there was in the Pretenders and now he's in McCartney's band. And he comes from Sutton, which is where, you know, sort of I was born. Mm. And Adam said to me, oh, Robbie's just called me up. He said he did a gig the other day with a football player. I was like, wow. So I phoned up David. So I think we know a mutual friend as well, blah, blah, blah. I said, ask Petter if he would be up for joining the band because, you know, we're going to go out. We need to, we need to finish recording the album, you know, um, and so we had a meeting and we talked about music. We talked about values. We talked about passion and, and his drum teacher for uh, teaching how to start drums was Roger Taylor. And so you can't have a better tutor than that really. Yeah. And the other name to pull out uh, from the album is um, Vinnie Jones uh, <laughs> as a special guest. <laughs> so, well, so here we go. We, Nick, um, who recorded, produced all the vocals and, and did all the, sort of backing vocals and what have you. And Nick, Nick was, um, Vinny had been in Nick's studio to record uh, the Audible for his book. And Nick said to me, he said, Ian, um, I've got this idea for three calls and the truth. Do you think you, Sean, John, Adam, somehow can all get together and come up with this sort of almost like a shouting part? And I said, I, I don't think we can do that. I said, well, why don't you ask Vinny? And, and Nick looked at me and said, well, I can't really. He, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's a professional engagement. He's coming. I just, I'm sitting here just recording him. He's got a producer, his manager, whatever. I said, well, Vinny would be perfect to do the part. He said, so I phoned up David. Now, David, uh, I, I said, I've known David for 30 odd years. I first met David when I got arrested for selling Spycatcher. And, and I met him in the green room at the BBC. He was there with a couple of his players. And at that time, I didn't know what he was doing. And but David was the managing director of Wimbledon Football Club at that mm -hmm. time. So, so and he obviously has an amazing friendship with Vinny. So while Nick's looking at me saying, well, I can't do it, I phoned up David. I said, I need you to, Vinny's coming here tomorrow morning. Can you ask him to do something? And so I explained to David. And um, so by the time I got home, David had phoned up Vinny and Vinny said, of course, he, he, Vinny knew me and said, yeah, of course I'd do it. Not a problem. Next morning though, and Nick's quite, you know, uh, um, Nick's a, such a gentle, kind soul. <laughs> in the morning. And, and um, Vinny, first thing Vinny says, right, what's this thing Willsy wants me to do? <laughs> <laughs> he says, is it rubbish or what? And Nick, no, it's really good, really. <laughs> and so Vinny did it for me. And, and, um, uh, you know, life is sometimes about the moment, isn't it? Absolutely. And also and, a very good contacts book by the sounds of it. Yeah, you know, you, 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 I, I know a few people, but it's all, it's all, but it's all, not, it, none of it is forced. You know, it's just, um, yeah. just over the years that, that you, you, you do things in your life and people, you help people and they want to help you. What, what's, what's coming up then? What, what's the, the plan for you and the band? Over the next couple of months well the we are finding a way to uh do a live uh show somehow um uh i am trying to put it together uh that we're, we're trying to do it under the bridge 
at Stanford Bridge because you know that I don't know if you know that room at all. It's an amazing room, and um, it's got one of the best PAs in London. Um, and we can do a potentially do a live streaming with some invited guests, socially mm-hmm. distanced. Um, and I think that again, COVID is creating you know havoc with so many things. So we're trying to think outside the box. You know, we was meant the whole we was meant to um, play Glastonbury this year. And I spent 15 years, Mark, in ducking and diving, hustling, trying to find a way to get onto Glastonbury. And I finally cracked it Saturday <laughs> afternoon and COVID got in the way. Oh, no. Uh, so the plan is to, I don't know what live music has for a future at the moment, but we would certainly be um, trying our best to get out and perform the album live. I know that I've been invited to do some acoustic shows, which we are going to do, which it makes it a little bit easier. But, um, you know, we just continue to, push on and, and try and find a way to get our music heard and seen. And if people want to find out more about this potential um, event as and when it comes confirmed, uh, willsandthewilling.com is the website. Ian, it's yeah. been great talking to you today. Good luck with the album. Uh, you don't think you need it because it is brilliant. Oh, excellent. And I look forward to maybe talking to you again soon. Absolutely, Mark. Thank you for playing my music and supporting my music. Think you need medical help right now and you're not sure what to do? Go straight to NHS 111. Call, go online or use the NHS app. You'll answer questions about your symptoms and receive advice about what to do next and where to go. And, if needed, a healthcare professional will call you. NHS 111 is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. So, if you're not sure what to do, go straight to 111. Help us help you know what to do. This is Mark and Moore in the Morning Podcast. In 1718, which pirate died in the Battle of the Coast of North Carolina was a question that literally changed Jeremy Clarkson's life forever because he got his first Who Wants to Be a Millionaire winner. Donald Fear, good afternoon to you. Hello. How are you? Well, very well. Uh, you say it changed Jeremy Clarkson's life. I think it changed mine rather more than Jeremy Clarkson's, I got to say. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson already had loads of money. <laughs> you know, take us back, though, before Millionaire for you. I mean, what was the reason you wanted to sign up for the show well my brother went on the show of course he he managed to get on the show which is in itself quite a feat and uh, he he appeared in the show and he filmed in july 2019 and uh, of course i was his phone a friend one of his phone a friend the phone a friend he didn't use and <laughs> um have, have to say he was inspired i i knew he'd got in the seat because i had a security guard sitting in my uh, living room as they yeah. do and um, that inspired me to have a go. So in August, I, had pl- I put in my own application to, to have a go on the show, and I got through. And then, then of course, David's show aired, and he won a, a small matter of £500,000. Now, I said in my application that my, my aim was to go one step further than he was without realising how far it got. So, uh, that, well, that looks a bit of an impossibly high target. But anyway, as you know, the rest is history. I, I went through a Skype interview. I, I missed out on Series 34, of the show but um got on series 35 and uh yeah i was exceptionally fortunate with the way the questions fell so uh yeah life is good <laughs> now I, I was watching the whole week just waiting for the moment when oh is this contestant going to be the winner and then eventually you take to the seat cue as a cucumber it has to be said um, well, it may have been externally looked like that i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> internally that wasn't quite oh, i was going to say i mean during your 15 questions when did the panic set in didn't at all um, they kept asking me questions i was really confident the answer the, the beauty of that show and its power comes from when they ask people questions that they're not sure of 
and you see them talk you see the pressure of the money mm. build up on them they talk themselves out of answers and they they throw away they waste lifelines and these you see people being put through the emotional ringer and uh, uh, that was never the case with me because i was so fortunate with the with the questions um that i i received so but yeah i was just asked a lot of questions i knew uh, i i absolutely was sure of and so there's no question of phoning a friend or um apart from the religion question on which i took 50 50 it really didn't uh, it, you know i didn't need them uh, at any point and that's really really lucky most people get a stopper question you know what yeah what, what color is the middle top ring on the olympic flag and uh you know what's what's the l what color is the l in google and the thing uh, yeah, oh my god uh, what's, what's richard Gere's middle name i bet the producers must have been sweating um <laughs> when they're seeing these questions coming up and the prize money's going higher and higher and higher and thinking who wrote these questions yeah well they get, you get a random set apparently there's two random sets each time you get you get a random set and uh and of course the 50 52 is absolutely random and all i can say is that my random set was couldn't have been better for me and my the 50 50 fell beautifully for me so i was lucky from begin to end i was lucky mm. to uh, lucky to win the fastest finger first so yeah i was so fortunate you do the filming you've won it all the gold glitters flying everywhere but you can't really talk about it can you until he goes out on air i mean that must have been really hard and who was kind of the, the first people you could tell already my dad and my brother and my mum had worked out that one a million because they were dad and my brother were my phone friends right. and uh, so they knew i was in the hot seat they knew i hadn't used them and I, they knew i was in the hot seat for quite a long time so there was only two possibilities um one that completely cocked it up and that, that's what my brother thought immediately or that had won a million. That's what my dad, bless him, thought immediately. So, <laughs> so in a way, although I told my wife first, um, my my uh, other members of my family had already worked it out. But you're you're a teacher, and are you still teaching? I am still teaching. Yes, I and mean, it's been a hard. I have to say, I've just finished my 199th half term in teaching, and that was the hardest one. You know, one way systems, social distancing, masks, yeah. um, Zoom lessons, uh, as well as physical lessons at the same time. It it's been really tough i've never known anything like it quite honestly and uh fortunately i've only got one more half term to do that i'm finished but um, i feel for my colleagues for whom this is going on and on with no prospect of retirement so we're thinking about um your change in life and um, what are you going to be doing with your million pounds yeah, i've already done it um uh, in a way i've got uh, i said on the show i would like to give away um money to my family and uh, i have given away 70 percent um but um i gave i've given away seven hundred thousand. In fact, just before I came online, I, I, the, the the phone went. It was the bank. Um, <laughs> there's this check for sixty thousand pounds. Are you sure that was you? And I said, Oh yeah, that's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so it's nice to do the bank and check you up. But the, the the fact was, I you know I've been able to be very generous to my family. Well, well, congratulations to you. I guess I've got one more question. Your knowledge seems to be limitless. Have you yet, yet been approached to be a chaser with Bradley on the telly? I haven't, no. Uh, so we're, uh, I, I'm not in their class, to be quite honest. I was fortunate. I was fortunate with the, with the questions. Um, I, I have had my first... I've joined the British Quiz League, and I had my first go last month. Um, uh, well, actually, this month, 3rd, 3rd of October. 
because um, every Saturday, the first of the month, there's um, a British Quiz League session, and um, I, I took part in it, and I was 87th out of 119, I think. So, and, and several of the chasers were in it, Paul Sinner, um, Anne Hegarty, and someone were in it, and they were all in the sort of top 20. So uh, I've got some way to go before I'm in their class. But I have to say, I would really love to become a professional quizzer and then spend a lot more time doing it. Absolutely. Donald Fear, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great talking to you and uh, reliving that moment when you won a millionaire. It was awesome. Mark and more in the morning. Best bits on the podcast. Next time, we chat with Angelica Bell from The Money Show and Billy Byrne from DIY SOS. You can find out more about our daily show at markandmore.com. Also, please leave us your comments and rate us where you get the podcast. You can always email us with your thoughts at studio at markandmore.com. We really loved your feedback. Keep it coming. Until next time. Bye. Bye.